It's always so unique how uh, when other people can't make it to church, the rest of you who can't always make it for whatever uh, reason often fill in the gaps, and I really appreciate that. So it's good to see so many smiling faces this morning, and uh, it's always nice uh, to see people who can't often come because I can't often come and see you during the week, and so it's good to see you guys here this Sunday. So I will say um, about the sunrise service on Easter, I know it's early, but we're doing it at the Cahill's Lookout. Or I'm not sure if you guys have Carl's. Is that how you say it? Thank you, Alex. Carl's Lookout. Okay. Um, so if you haven't been there before, it's actually a really nice area. The council's done a really good job. There's a, like It's all footpaths. Uh, there is some stairs, but it's really not. Uh, a really hard hike or anything like that. It's really beautiful too. So um, if you do have limited mobility, um, you can probably make it pretty easily. So there's also a couple of weeks beforehand, so you might be able to take a trip out there and check it out and see. So um, it'd probably be a good idea to bring some kind of a torch. Uh, I know a lot of our phones have uh, you know, like a flashlight torch feature nowadays, but it will be dark because it's going to be a sunrise service. So we expect to see the sun rise, not uh, get in there late. So hopefully we'll see how it goes. See how many people show up late. So, yeah, um, let's just uh, pray and then uh, we'll get in the message. So uh, we just thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you, Lord, for uh, just the gathering together of believers on a Sunday morning. Uh, and we thank you, Lord, for the scriptures that say where two or three are gathered in your name that you're there in their midst. And we just thank you, uh, like it talks about how you walk among the churches and you walk among your people. And we thank you, Lord, that you're here with us today. We thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is here to help direct and guide us into your word so we can see it more clearly and understand it more deeply. And we just thank you, Lord, for every word that's spoken. It just as an encouragement to bring us closer into connection and communion and relationship with God our Father. And we just thank you, Lord, for uh, this word coming forth today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we've been kind of doing a... uh, a little series a little bit uh, about faith and just talking about the different aspects of faith and what does faith look like and um, I just I was looking up some stuff on uh, online about uh, faith and what it looks like and different things like this and I just came across these these three little bullet points about um, actually uh, Satan and the devil and what does faith look like in respect to that and it says um, uh, there's kind of listed it as three errors that people kind of get into. And, and the first one would be denying Satan's existence. You know, if we try and just say that Satan's not real or the devil's not real, then that's kind of denying Satan's existence. So that's one thing. The other, the other one is um, uh, fearfully focusing on Satan rather than on Christ uh, uh, who overcame him. And then there's this other error that a lot of people get into as well, especially find this up in the mountains, um, is the outright worship of Satan. So those are three kind of uh, ways that even sometimes Christians, especially the first two, uh, can get involved there in error, focusing uh, on Satan or continuing to focus on the bad things that he's doing or even denying his existence. And so some of the things we've been looking at to kind of counteract that 
is uh, faith. What does faith look like? And we talked about uh, faith is not denial. Uh, we talked about how you can't just deny things are going on. You can't just deny you need salvation. You can't just deny that you're sick. You can't just deny that you need help financially. No, you need to get into the word and figure out what God is saying about it. And that's how faith uh, really works. And so then we went on from that. We looked about uh, the scriptures in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 6, where it says, uh, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so if you don't have faith, then are you really walking a life that is pleasing of God? And then we went on from that. We looked at James chapter 2. Uh, faith without works is dead. There's this whole uh, chapter in James talking about faith without action is dead. And so we can say we have faith, but what does it actually look like? What is the outward working of our faith? And um, we can see this really easily when we look at the faith we have for salvation. Uh, how do we show we have faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross? And we confess it with our mouth, and that's how we know that we have faith. When we actually confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that's the outward working of our faith for salvation. So it says in John 3.16, most people know this scripture off the top of their head, God tells us that uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And so whoever believes will not perish, right? And so whoever believes, but how do you know that someone is believing? And so if you ask somebody, you know, hey, do you believe in Jesus? And they say, yes. Well, then that is their faith and their action, their outward working of their faith for salvation. So the outward working of our faith is actually confessing with our mouth. So if we take faith, uh, this scripture in, or these scriptures in James chapter 2, and we say faith without works is dead, well, then we're talking about faith uh, for salvation. Well, the work that we have in faith is just confessing it with our mouth. Uh, if we look in Romans chapter 10, verse 13 tells us, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so this is in reference uh, to Joel. Uh, if you look in the Old Testament, Joel chapter 2, verse 32, this is the, uh, actually Paul is quoting that in Romans. And he's talking about uh, the last days and the end times. And he's talking about whoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so we believe that Jesus died on the cross, right, in order to fulfill the blood requirement necessary uh, that was needed in order to bring us back into contact and communion with God the Father and God our Creator. But it's made real to us, and it's actually put into action um, when we actually put words to our faith and to our beliefs so this faith is made real uh, this faith is made real when we actually start talking about it and so when we put that in connection with James chapter 2 that is the outward working of our faith and so it's interesting because it doesn't say um, those who go to church or those people who do charitable deeds or uh, those people who are, you know, good people. And it doesn't say, um, you know, those people who have praying parents will be saved. It's actually the people who call on the name of the Lord. So in order to be saved, we have to confess with our mouth. And so as we apply this on, uh, kind of reviewing here, James chapter 2, that is the outward working of our faith. And while it really seems, you know, it seems really simple, 
you know, if it's uh, it's really a simple thing, you know, that we talk about, and it really makes it uh, it really makes it easy. And when we use our faith like this all the time, you know, because you know we came to church on Sunday, this Sunday, so here we are, and so that's really another one of those outward workings of our faith. You know, we believe Jesus is who He says He is. We believe God is who He says He is. We believe the Holy Spirit is who He says He is. And so when we come to church like this on a Sunday, that's another one of those outward workings of our faith, right? And so our faith for salvation almost becomes second nature to us. You know, we don't often go back and think about, oh, am I saved? Am I not saved? Am I saved? Am I not saved? We always kind of just fall back on that. Well, Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and I accept that, and I believe that, and so I'm saved. And so that that thought pattern to us just really becomes second nature. Uh, we don't really spend a lot of time thinking about it. And that's really what uh, the Bible's talking about when it talks about childlike faith. You know, you just get something in your head. Children do that all the time. You get something in your head, and you just, that's, you know, that's just the way it is. And they don't continue to go back on it. You know, a lot of us have kids here, and we've got a two-year-old daughter, and we we see that a lot with her, you know, she does one thing or we do one thing and she kind of gets it in her head that that's what we're going to be doing from here on out. Like, for instance, um, when we first moved over, we were car shopping, you know, trying to find some cars. And so we were often getting in a car and driving down to Sydney suburbs somewhere to, uh, to look at another vehicle to buy. And so we'd put her in the car and we'd be like, oh, you know, we're going to go to Sydney. We're going to go to Sydney. So for a long time after that, every time we put her in the car, she would say, oh, we're going to Sydney. We're going to Sydney. She'd just say it over and over again because it kind of just got, you know, ingrained in her for a little while there. When we got in the car, we're going to Sydney, you know, and that's kind of like that with our faith for salvation. We just get it inside of us and we don't really go back to it and think about it that often. But that's really the way you know, faith is going to work and faith needs to work in our life for all the areas, you know. It should be the same for faith for healing or divine health. It should be the safe, same way we use our faith for money or jobs or vehicles or clothes or even for uh, spiritual gifts, whether it's prophecy, tongues, working of miracles. Um, also faith for direction, for clearly hearing from God or hearing the voice or the plan of God for your life. Um, if it's this way for salvation, it really should be this way for all the other areas. So uh, we looked at Romans chapter 10, uh, verse 13. We'll actually just turn there. Uh, Romans ten thirteen. this is where we talked about, uh, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. All right, and well, so if we go on from there, the next couple of verses continues to talk about um, the kind of the way faith is. Um, it says, How then shall they call on him who they have not believed? This is verse uh, 14, Romans chapter 10, 14. And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And then it goes on to say in 17, this is the key verse here. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So how do we grow our faith? Well, we hear about it, and that's how we grow our faith. Faith comes by hearing. And so, um, this is the thing that God doesn't try and make it 
difficult for us. You know, he's a very loving father. He's, you know, his whole purpose in creating us to begin with was to, you know, have communication and relationship with us. And then from Genesis on, this is this whole plan of him trying to get that relationship and connection back. You know, it talks about that he knows us before we are born. You know, there's the scriptures in Jeremiah. And he also talks about how the number of hairs on our head, you know, he numbers them. Some of us, that's easier than others. And then, you know, but he wants this relationship with us. And he makes it easy for us, you know, to get in communication and relationship with us. You know, he actually puts all the instructions and all the actions and everything we need to know right here in this book, you know. And if we read the book or if we need more faith, we just have to read the book. That's what it says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, last, um, not last week, but the week before, because we hit it, but last week we talked about uh, the sovereignty of God. And we kind of discussed about how uh, a lot of people use that term sovereignty of God of ways to kind of explain why things aren't working in their life, right? They say, oh, well, God is just so great, so powerful, so mighty, so sovereign that he can just do whatever he wants. And so if things aren't really going so well, they just say, oh, well, that's just God's will. That's just he's so sovereign. He can just do that. But it's really not the right way to look at the sovereignty of God. Actually, God is so sovereign and so powerful and so awesome and so amazing because he sticks to his word so directly. You know, God is doing what he says he's going to do right here in the Bible. You know, the thing that makes him so awesome, the thing that makes him so powerful is that his word is so true. You know, it's this, this thing of that God never lies. Right? And it's kind of hard to get that and comprehend that as humans because it goes way beyond just saying, oh, yeah, God's a man of his word. You know, if we say uh, even the best person, even the, you know, the most honest person in the world still at some point in time is going to tell a lie because there is no perfect person, right? So even the most honest person is going to say, well, you know, this is a really simple example, but it just kind of takes it to that point where, you know, we kind of have to look at it this way. But so if I say I'm going to be at your house, you know, at eight o'clock and I show up at 801, well, I just told a lie because I said I was going to be there at eight. And I know it seems really simple and it's like, oh, well, that doesn't matter. But that's the kind of thing and that's the kind of way we have to look at the word of God. Whatever God says is what's going to happen. He doesn't just run around just doing kind of whatever he wants. You know, if God says, you know, if God was a person and he was like walking around on the earth as a human person today, and he said he was going to be there at 8, he wouldn't be there at 7.59 and 50 seconds. He would be there exactly at 8 o'clock, you know, and he wouldn't get there at 8.01. No, he would get there at 8 o'clock. You know, it's this aspect of God never lies that sometimes it's kind of hard just to get our head around it, right? And so when we read through the Word, and we read through the Bible and, and the Scriptures, you know, and we look at it, and we just have to keep it in that context of God never lies. And so when we look at uh, John 3.16, it says, whoever, um, whoever believes will be saved. Well, that's just it. That's the end. Then whoever believes will be saved, and that's the truth. And then we can look at other scriptures, too. It's like uh, some of the things I talked about. Um, like uh, in Matthew chapter 6, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and don't worry about all this other stuff, you know, and God will supply for you, right? 
And so that's true. That's just, it is just true. That's what's happening. And then also when we read about um, the miracles of Jesus and the things that he did, and it says uh, things like, oh, and they all were healed. But also it goes on to say, um, John 14, verse 12 says that greater works will be done through other believers. Well, then it's true. If it says it, then it's true, right? And then uh, we read about um, Jesus coming back in a cloud, you know, the same way he went up, ascended in a cloud, he's going to come back on a cloud. Well, then it's true, right? Because if it's in the Bible and it's written in there, then it's true. And then so God's sovereignty isn't based on his ability just to do whatever he wants. His sovereignty is in his absolute truth and the fact that he is doing exactly what he says he's going to do. And so this is why when we talk about in Romans uh, chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's so important to us that we know what God is saying. Because if we don't know what God is saying and we don't know what it says in the Bible, then we really can't have faith in what's going to happen. All right. So uh, once we know what God is saying, we can go back to then James chapter 2 and we can start putting some action to our faith. You know, God wants to move and do things mightily in every person's life. But without knowing what God is saying, then we can't really have an action or can't really put faith into play. Right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But faith is made real when we put action to that faith. You know, we need to get to the point in our lives where, you know, some of these things that we believe just come second nature, just like our salvation does. It just comes, you know, comes on because we've heard it so many times. You know, the way we got saved was we didn't believe until we heard about Jesus. You know, how can you believe in something like what it says until you hear, right? And so when we first heard about Jesus or we first heard about salvation, is when we started to believe, and that's when we started to have faith, right? And that's like any other area that we're believing for. If we're believing for healing, if we're believing for direction, if we're believing for, you know, God to move in our finances, then the first place to start is to find out what God's saying about it. What's God saying in his word? It's not just waiting for God to do some, you know, mighty sovereign work in our life. No, we need to find out what it is God's saying. And that's how we get our faith built. And then we can, you know, do that next step, which is James chapter 2, you know, which is the action of our faith. Right? So, short message today. There you go. Um, but let's just pray along these lines, and then we're going uh, to move into communion. So, uh, Lord, we just thank you uh, today for this word. We thank you, Lord, for uh, just these group of scriptures put together, that faith comes by hearing. And uh, when we hear your word, when we hear what God is saying about a certain situation, then we can move into that James chapter 2 and we can say faith without works is dead. But we know what God is doing. And so we can put some action to our faith. And we just thank you, Lord, for that action we did with salvation. We said, yeah, Jesus is Lord and we believe. And so we started confessing with our mouth. And we thank you, Lord, for it. We just thank you, Lord, for this, uh, just this word going forth that it, that it just sinks down on the inside of us. That, uh, that you are a sovereign God because you're so true to your word. And if we can find a promise in the Bible, if we can find what you're saying in your word, we know that we can stand on it and believe that you're going to bring it to pass in our life. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, 
We just welcome everyone to come up uh, for a time of communion. This is another one of those times where we can put action to our faith. You know, it says that every time we, you know, drink the cup and take the bread that we're putting that, uh, we're confessing, you know, and making a public statement that Jesus is Lord of our life, that we believe that he died on the cross and he shed his blood for us. And when we take the communion, that is our, you know, and one of those outward workings of our faith, we're saying that we do believe, you know. And so um, you're welcome, anybody that's welcome to come and take communion with us or not, feel no pressure, please. And uh, also at this time, we have the uh, missions and the tithes and offerings and also the, bar- the basket. For people that don't know, uh, we have a little basket here, and that goes uh, to have suffered from the droughts they're having out there. So we're just uh, taking direct donations for that and sending all the money that comes into the basket there. The little You'll see it when you come up. The basket goes directly to the farmer. So, uh, yeah, you're welcome to take communion with us. Thank you.